you can do a lot with very little, but you just got to be smart about it. And you kind of need to have like the determination or the grit to do it. I don't need to advertise. I get all my business through referrals. I'm like, well, you pay a third or 50%. So you're not paying for your marketing. You're paying for their marketing. By not marketing, not only are people not knowing who I am, but I was doing a disservice to people to let them know that they have a choice. People have to know you exist in order to get cases so that they hire you. Welcome to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io, the legal marketing company, the best firms hire when they want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies can't deliver. Each week, you get insights and wisdom from some of the best in the industry. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. All right, let's dive in. Starting your own firm comes with a list of challenges, and those challenges evolve at every stage of growth. Alreen Hayquist has stepped up and met each challenge never once backing down for over 15 years. A true trailblazer, the owner of Hayquist & Eck, started her practice out of her home. Over the years, she has grown to a practice of seven attorneys while staying true to her values, transparency, accountability, and grit, and has secured major wins and millions of dollars for her clients along the way. She shares what she has learned about scaling a firm and hiring the right team and why embracing marketing was the only way to grow. Here's Alreen Hayquist, partner at Hayquist & Eck. When I was young, I wasn't able to stand up for myself against you know, my father, who was very abusive. Um, and now like with the law, I'm able to stand up for myself and for others using the law as power. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And your guys' firm is is growing like crazy and you're doing such an incredible job. I want to throw it back a little bit. You went out on your own 15 years ago. So what was it like to start your own firm? What were some of those early thoughts uh, of, of going out on your own? Yeah, so um, that's right. I went out on my own 15 years ago. I'm actually celebrating our 15 year anniversary tomorrow with the party. And back then, you know, it was it was very um, a hard decision, not a hard decision. It was an easy decision, but hard because I was giving up a paycheck. I worked at a large class action firm, gave up a paycheck, didn't have any clients. I didn't have an office. I'm working, you know, didn't have a lot in savings, but I knew what I, I didn't want to continue that. I didn't want to continue working in a very male dominated structure where there was limits set for me and limits set for what I was able to do and limits set to what culture I could establish and the clients I could see. And so going out on my own allowed me to, you know, pave my own path, make my own decisions. And since then, you know, where it was just me in the back room of my house, you know, now we're a group of 16, there's seven lawyers, and we do great work and we represent amazing clients. We have a stellar reputation in San Diego. But going out 15 years ago, yeah, it's not easy in the sense that you got to build it from the ground up, literally. Your firm specializes in employment law. And so what made you choose employment law? You know, most of our listeners are personal injuries. So maybe you can just briefly touch on employment law, maybe versus the pros and cons versus, say, PI. So employment law to me is social justice for profit. You know, we're doing civil rights work every day, but we actually make money off of it. The laws that are there to protect people also have a provision for attorneys to get paid for their work. So you're doing really important work on behalf of people. So just like PI attorneys who don't represent businesses, don't represent insurance companies, don't represent large corporations, the employment lawyers in the plaintiff's area are the same. We only represent the people who have been harmed by these large corporations to go get relief. And at the end of the day, you know, we also get compensated for our time for doing the work that we're doing. So um, that was the reason behind it. I'm very passionate about, you know, social justice and always standing up for the people and not corporations. 
And so that was just a perfect fit for me, especially for, you know, on behalf of those who have been discriminated against and victimized at the hands of big, powerful people. Do you find that a lot of your prospects are just unaware that they even have a claim? Because I think most people, they see the billboards, they watch TV, and it's constantly in their face that, oh, if I'm in an auto wreck to go get an attorney, is it a different, maybe you have to educate the public a little bit more for employment? I do. I think one, people keep hearing, you know, they're an at-will, we're an at-will state. I can get terminated for any reason. My employer can fire me at any time. They fired me. How, what can I do about it? And so, yeah, we're here to educate them that no, the laws are there to protect you. Society has said you can't get fired for an illegal reason. So your employer can't fire you because you speak out against sexual harassment. Your employer can't fire you because you speak out about illegal conduct. Your employer can't fire you because you get sick and need to go to the hospital. Your employer can't fire you because you need to take care of your family who is sick. I think when they come in here, they don't realize the amount of rights that they have. And they're really coming in here as like, they know it's unfair and something seems wrong to them about what happened. Because a lot of clients, I mean, they try to work it out, I think, with their employer, right? It's the person they trust. They've worked with them. They've formed these relationships for a long period of time. They've been loyal. They want to work it out. And filing a lawsuit is not on the radar, but they come to a lawyer to figure out like, well, this just happened. I did try to talk to them or, you know, explain to them what happened and they, you know, wouldn't listen to me. And so we're here to tell them you have rights and this is what the process will look like. You know, being a business owner, where does HR play in this? How can that role be a really positive role for, for an organization? I feel like the HR role is really, it's, it is to help the employer. It's to help you as the employer to make sure you're doing certain things right. You know, there are lots of employment laws across the country that are federal laws. And then we have our each specific state law. So the HR is really there to guide you and make sure you're getting the proper advice and then communicating that with the employees. So there, you can't now, you know, when you grow, you can't talk to every employee about you know, what's possible. And that HR is kind of that go-between to make sure um, your rules and your policies are being told to the employee. But unfortunately, a lot of employees think that HR is there to protect them somehow. And it's not. The HR works for the employer and, and is there to protect the employer. So as to your question as to like, when do you hire HR? When do you bring on HR? I mean, I think it's important for an employer to be doing the right thing. You know, get advice early on, not even just from an HR professional, but from an employment lawyer, you know, who represents employers, making sure like you understand the laws and that you're implementing them in your workplace. And I think that will avoid a lot of problems. I think what happens with employers is they're small and they get big and that carries its own host of some liability. And so getting advice early, you can make sure you're setting yourself up for success. Starting a business on a small budget is possible. Irene launched with just 5,000 bucks. Like many attorneys who bootstrap, she made early money through hustle and creativity. I can definitely relate. I started rankings with just 15,000 bucks from my sister. I remember I spent all this time, everyone's telling you, make a business plan, make a business plan. I went to a business incubator. I talked to my friends, my family. I made this 30 page business plan because that's what you did, right? I took it to the bank and the bank looked at it and they're like, we'll give you five grand. And I was just demoralized. So I called up my sis and she's like, I'll just give you 15,000 bucks. No questions asked, had true faith in me. And, and that's how I got started. So anyone can do it. You just gotta be creative. You gotta look at your sphere of influence and think about how can I generate revenue at the very beginning? And here's Irene. She shares advice for making money in those early days. 
reaching out to my network, right? Reaching out to the, the attorneys that know you so you can start getting referrals from them. People will start giving you business and making those connections, I think is really important. And if they know your work and they know who you are, they're willing to, to pass on those referrals. And then when you have the cases, you know, not when the money comes in, finally, not spending it all, right? Putting it back in your business. And that's kind of just like that slow growth of you get the money in, you invest it back into the business and that will continue your progression. I also think, like you just said, you know, you had 15 grand, I had five. I mean, you don't need a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you, you can do a lot for with very little, but you just got to be smart about it. And you kind of need to have like the determination or the grit to do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And actually one of, one of our values that are, or we only have three, one of them is true grit. And it's just like, you just got to roll up the sleeves and get it done. You're a managing partner and, and managing the transition from practicing law to running the business side, you know, could be difficult. What strategies helped you adjust focusing more on the business side versus just the legal work? It was difficult. Like, you know, we talked about why did I become a lawyer? And I'm like, I've been wanting to do it since I was a little kid. I have all this passion for it. And so the thought of like, not practicing law 100% of the time and, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and, and running a business, it was a hard transition. It was like, how do I give this part up that I went to law school for and I've worked my whole life for? But in order to have a, a practice, a law firm, I had to learn how to run a business. And so I got a coach. I mean, I, you know, I use all the tools and techniques and people that I can to help me. And so when I was doing the transition, I hired a business coach. And that was really helpful to get into the mindset not only of just like the practical things of running a business, but just even the mindset of running a business and, you know, creating a team. That's one of the things that I did early on. Yeah. And I kind of want to lean into one of the things you said. So not only maybe the tactical, but just the mindset. What, what do you mean by that? Just, just like what's possible and what's out there? What, what do you mean when it comes to mindset? I think I had a lot of mindset of like, I can't do it. I'm going to fail. You know, all of just like the horrible things that could happen that kind of just permeated in my, my mind or like that fear of failure was a very constant for me. And getting out of that, like getting out of, no, this is going to be fine. You can do this. You're going to be successful. Things are going to work out. And it's kind of setting your intention of like what it is you want to see and what you're going to accomplish as to how it's not possible. The other kind of change, I feel like maybe we've talked about this before, but you know, we implemented the EOS system. So that was huge for our firm, just like kind of coming up with systematically, like how to run a business, you know, like what are the steps, you know, how, how can I do this, you know, step by step. And it was like easy to follow. And so that was just mindset change of like, this is going to be great and everything's going to work out because you can see the future of how that's going to be, as opposed to worrying about failing. And then creating a process of like, how am I going to do all of these things and very short little goals. So I, I think EOS is amazing. We're an EOS based agency. It was transformational. And I got to be honest, we tried to self implement for a couple of years and I think we did okay. And what was really changed the game is when we got a, someone to help chair and, and assist us. So we hired an outside party. Did you, did you, did you self implement? Are you working with, you know, I know uh, Mike Morris and John Nake's lab fireproof. Is there an organization you're working with? No. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. So we did all of the steps and that's kind of the step I'm at right now is to find that role and find that person to kind of carry us to the next level. Amazing. Amazing. So we can talk after. I got some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you're retaining amazing talent. You're growing. What do you look for to, to find these very talented individuals? And then what's the key to keeping them? 
Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons I went out on my own was to create, you know, a culture of, of a place that I wanted to come to work at. So, you know, I have that going for me, but I would say the mission and the vision and the values and making sure that's aligned with the people that are coming in. And if they're not, then it's not going to work out. I think aligning those interests, transparency, I think is really important to keeping people. People want to know, you know, what's going on and it's not under the hood. Having leadership where leadership is also accountable, right? I never ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't be doing myself or expectations on you that I don't have of myself. Communication is really important, right? Like making sure we're meeting as a team and talking about any issues that come up and solving them. That kind of goes back to the traction, you know, method. And we do that with the whole team where, you know, we discuss issues weekly, we figure out a solution, we discuss it and we figure out a solution and everybody's involved in that. So everybody feels like they're part of the team, Having our roles, like where everybody kind of knows what they need to do, but all know that they're working towards the same goal of helping the client. So everybody's working at the same time and not waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. Um, And then also seeing a future at the company, right? Seeing a path forward that they can continue to grow and better themselves personally um, and also professionally. I think those are really important for getting great talent and having them stay. In the beginning, Alreen was resistant to marketing, but her desire to grow eventually outweighed her discomfort. She knew she needed to embrace change, get comfortable with discomfort, and find the marketing voice that was right for her. She shares how her perspective shifted as the business scaled up. I was very resistant to marketing. I did look at it. This was, you know, 15 years ago when I started my practice. It didn't, it seemed a little like cheesy or I don't know what the right word is, but I didn't feel good about doing it and I didn't want to do it. My belief was I'm a good lawyer. I do great work and my work speaks for itself. So what do I need to do marketing for? People know, you know, that I produce great results and they're going to just want to come to me because of that. The thing was, is nobody knows I exist. So how are they going to know I do good work? When nobody knows that I even am a lawyer or that I do this kind of work, how are they going to hire me? And I think the realization came to me, you know, we were getting some calls from um, clients that had gone elsewhere and then were coming to us. Or when I saw a case, you know, I read about a case and I'm like, why did they go with, you know, this attorney? Why didn't they come see me? And it was like, oh, because they marketed and I didn't. They don't know that I'm even, you know, a possibility. Um, The other thing was the people doing marketing were men. I mean, I was unique in the sense of starting my own firm, you know, female owned firm 15 years ago. Now there's lots of women starting their own firm, but 15 years ago, there wasn't lots of us. And so not only was I unique in, you know, I had a woman owned firm, but the lawyers that, you know, my clients would keep seeing is like, oh, for this sexual harassment case, my only choice is these men. So for me, I thought by not marketing, not only are people not knowing who I am, but I was doing a disservice to people to let them know that they have a choice and you can go to a woman for these issues and you can have a lawyer that, you know, in my opinion, sometimes was better um, for certain types of cases. So that's why I started marketing. It was, we still are, you know, building our referrals and, and networking and all of that, but going into SEO, like we had a website, but like, oh, we have to like optimize our website, you know, and then when social, you know, we have to be on social, like People have to know you exist in order to get cases and so that they hire you. I couldn't agree more. Every (laughs) time I hear this, it makes me think of Michael Mogul. He says, you know, the best kept secrets of someone that's broke because no one knows about it. (laughs) The other thing, too, is I get, you know, it's interesting on the PI side, the litigators are 
you know, the they're like, oh, I, I don't need to advertise. I get all my all my business through referrals. I'm like, well, you pay a third or 50 percent. So you're not paying for your marketing. You're paying for their marketing. <laughs> and so you're so it's all comes around in some way. Uh, you know, that attention is, is paid. It's arbitrage. I think for those listening, you guys got to check out their website. Their website's amazing. It's one of the best websites in the legal space that I've seen. I love the video front and center, the colors, just everything, the photography. It's excellent. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and that also kind of goes like with, with the sense of marketing of evolution. It's like, okay, we got to do SEO. Okay, that's important. Oh, we got to be on social. That's important. And yeah, people want to see videos. Like my daughter watches a video for every Amazon purchase she watches. Like people want to see who we are and what we do. So the videos became really important. And then it was like, well, what's our brand? Who are we like? And what do we stand for? And making sure people understood that. And so like, you know, working on our brand. So those were all how we evolved for marketing. The brand's very, it's very strong. It's very memorable. And I, I think it's, I think it's great. You wrote a book, Fired Up, Fueling Triumph from Trauma. You know, writing this book must have required incredible courage and vulnerability. What motivated you to share your personal stories so publicly? So I personally have gone through a transformation by sharing my story, not like the book is new, but sharing my story to others um, was very transformative, like where I stopped being silent. Like my dad was terrifying. You know, he abused me in all, all different types of ways. And I always kept that a secret. I never shared it with anybody. And it was like, I was never able to just live, you know, my best self and my full self and just show up as myself. And so, you know, I've been going through therapy and and sharing my story for, for a bit now. And I wanted to share it because I want to help others share their story. I want them to stop the silence because sexual assault, it's affecting 50% of women out there. That's a huge number. Like that stat blew me away. But we don't talk about it because there's so much shame associated with it. And if we can get out of that and we can just start talking about it, you know, I think we can change those stats around. Um, So the book was motivated by me wanting to make sure I can help others share their story. Similarly with my marketing, right? I need to go out there so I can help others make, you know, a more informed decision of what your options are. My book is the same way. Like I want to share it so I can help you share your story and live your best life. And that's amazing. And and for those that read it, then they're they're motivated to make a change and they're empowered. You know, the title Fired Up sends a message of empowerment. So tell us the meaning behind it and kind of the tone you wanted to set in the book. Yeah, so that, that's it. You know, I'm fired up on this issue to get people to start talking about it and stop being ashamed of it and letting it out and start healing yourself. And so I'm fired up about doing that because I know by doing that, you can triumph from something that was very traumatic. And now it's like, you know, I run a firm where I help women stand up for themselves against those same practices. That fire is like in me because I didn't speak up when I was little. I didn't stand up to my dad. So that fire is in me of all things I should have said when I was a little kid. It just carries over now, you know, on behalf of my clients. So let's talk about like the applications uh, of the book. So like first, what was the process you went through to write it? I'm sure many of our listeners are like, I've got a story for a book or I've got this idea. And then also, you know, do you use it for your clients that come in? Do you gift them the book and so that you can relate and build that rapport, you know, maybe if they're going through a a difficult situation. So tell me about just the process and maybe the application of the book too. I made the decision back in the fall of 21. And so all of 22 was, you know, getting your story out. Mine's a very personal story. So it was very emotional. You know, now it's like, you know, talking about it, right? Right writing something and now being able to talk about it with my clients. But 
It was important because I want my clients to know I understand what you're going through. Like I understand, you know, my clients have to stand up in court, tell their story about their abuse and be cross-examined about it. And I want them to know, like, I didn't go through the litigation process, but I, but I understand how hard that is. And there, there could be consequences to it. But at the end, by sharing it and by standing up for yourself, which is what you're doing, you will feel empowered and you will be better off. It's just, you don't know it yet. So um, I'm sharing it with them because I'm telling them, you know, in a very vulnerable, authentic way, what I've gone through, what the steps that I took um, and how I ended up where I'm at today um, to help them understand that they will also find a place where they feel the same, where they're feeling empowered after sharing their story and standing up for themselves for the first time. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. How can our audience get in touch with you and what's next for your firm? They can get in touch with me by contacting our firm. We're at HeyQuistanek. So it's H-A-E-Law.com. As for what's next for our firm, I mean, I would love to do a podcast. I would love to talk similarly. What you're doing is talking to other women who have triumphed from their trauma and having them come on the air to share their stories. Because I do think there's so much healing for us to know that we're not alone. We, we kind of feel like we're we're by ourselves and I'm here to tell you you're not, you know, there's, there's lots of us. So come and talk about it. Thanks so much to Irene for sharing her wisdom today. Let's hit the takeaways. Time for the pinpoints. You don't know what you don't know. And when starting or scaling a firm, employment law is probably one of those things you just don't know. Irene recommends connecting with HR and employment lawyers early on, regardless of the size. This sets growing firms up for future success. Get advice early on, making sure like you understand the laws and that you're implementing them in your workplace. And I think that will avoid a lot of problems. You can make sure you're setting yourself up for success. Let those values guide you on. Finding the culture fit early on is key. Hiring people who share your values helps keep talent for the long term. For Alreen, transparency and accountability keep her team engaged year after year. Seeing a future at the company, right? Seeing a path forward that they can continue to grow and better themselves personally um, and also professionally. I think those are really important for getting great talent and having them stay. Marketing is a must if you wanna succeed. I know the very word marketing can lead some of you a little uncomfortable. Maybe you associate marketing with gimmicks that don't fit your personality, or you believe that good work will proceed itself, making it unnecessary. But if people don't know you, they won't hire you, plain and simple. Not every tactic will work for every firm, and it shouldn't. Marketing is about authenticity and how you connect with your audience. Irene was initially resistant to marketing her firm, but her desire to grow quickly outweighed her initial aversion to self-promotion. It started with, I don't want to do it and I'm not going to do it, you know? So it was evolving just my own thinking and mindset of like, no, that's part of what you do and you have to do for people to know it. For more information about Irene Hayquist and her firm, Hayquist & Eck, along with her episode on Lawher, check out the show notes. While you're there, please hit that follow button so that you never miss an episode of Personal Injury Mastermind with me, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. See you next time. I'm out.